the EPL show on the Soccer Gambling Podcast is presented by WinBet. Sign up using our link and receive a $500 risk-free bet. That's right, $500. And if you send in your first bet slip, you'll get a free T-shirt. Head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash win for a $500 risk-free bet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash win, spelled W-Y-N-N. We'll also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for avid sports bettors, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks. Better Than Vegas, it's like YouTube for sports betting. Make sure you subscribe to our page so you don't miss a pick. Head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. We'll also brought to you by Better Edge. Better Edge is a stock exchange for sports bets, allowing you to buy and sell betting positions like a stock market. The best part is it allows you to bet with no V. VIG. That's right, no VIG betting. That's legal in 40 states. Sign up at betteredge.com and use the promo code SGP for a free $10 bet. That's betteredge, B-E-T-T-O-R, edge.com and the promo code SGP. And finally, we're also brought to you by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in paper providers and they make it super easy to start your own sport. Sportsbook. Puff Ace is offering up to six weeks free. Just head over to aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. You are listening to the EPL show here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. You can follow the Soccer Gambling Podcast on Twitter at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. Although I don't know how active I'll be for the next few weeks. I'll talk more about that later. You can also check me out at my website, lockbetting.com. That's where I post all of my official plays, lockbetting.com. Lockbetting.com is headed towards its 92nd consecutive month of transparent track profit. When I say transparent track profit, I mean the spreadsheets are widely available to go and look at. Look at my pinned tweet at SGP Soccer. It is the last month spreadsheet. And on February the 1st, we will put up the month of January, which is the 92nd month of consecutive track profit. If you want to go and look at older spreadsheets, all you need to do is go and have a look at lockbetting.com. I am particularly pleased with this month, not because it's one of the highest. In fact, it's one of the lowest amounts of profit that we've ever made. However, if you listen to the Bad Beat Show, a new podcast that I present here on the SGP, I talk about my worst day ever. My worst day ever came in the middle of this month, where after working really hard to accumulate nine or 10 units and starting the month really well, I wiped them all out in one single day. So in the middle of the month, LockBetting.com clients were starting again because of that day. I've never had a day like it. It's not a regular thing. It's a one-off, hopefully. And I talk about it over on the Bad Beach show. But this month was starting again at the middle of the month, in the middle of the month. And we managed to recover. And I did it without being ridiculous, without blowing bankrolls, without posting four or five unit plays to get us back to where we were. No. It was completely disciplined. I kept doing things exactly as I've always done them, kept the unit sizes the same, kept the plays the same, kept the research the same, just put my head down, worked a little bit harder. And from the 16th of January up until the 28th of January, when I'm recording the show, I have delivered my clients £1,629 of profit. That's over $2,000 
across the last 12 days. So I'm particularly pleased about that. Say what you want about my picks on the last show, and people have said a lot of shit, especially on Twitter. I have delivered for my clients once again this month. So if you want to sign up, sign up on February the 1st to get the entire month over at LockBain.com as we look to secure our 93rd month of consecutive track profit. Lots of stuff coming up in February. We will continue to win nearly every single night in the NBA. You can get signed up in time for the midweek EPL and, of course, in time for the Super Bowl, another sport where we have delivered a profit in this year. So moving on to my gripe with Twitter. I've been banned from Twitter twice. I didn't want to come on a third time. I lost my verified Billy Barty Twitter account. I got that verified after Big Brother. I lost my lock betting account. I didn't want no part of Twitter. I know what a toxic, shitty form of social media is. But Sean and Ryan, the owners of the SGP, wanted me to come back and represent the Soccer Gambling Podcast. So I needed to have another Twitter account. So I came back on there and the interactions were mostly positive at first. And I was getting lots of iTunes reviews, which I needed to, to have needed to have in order to grow my podcast and I was giving out loads and loads of free plays but obviously that's because ever since I started here on the show everything's been fine because I've always been on solid runs apart from back in 2016 where Euro 2016 which I always talk about was a bit of a disaster I've always been massively consistent with my picks across the last six and a half years. Nobody here on the SGP has made you more money than me. The EPL show is one of the most profitable shows that you could possibly listen to, be it the leans or the locks or just listening to the information. You cannot fail to make money. If you've been listening to this show for the last four years and you've somehow lost money, you are a moron. The lot record here on this show overall since I started is 136 and 52. That's 72.3% on the locks. We had a season where I went 47 and 11. As I said, I have delivered you free money year in and year out and year in and year out, show after show after show after show. But despite this, you still always get more tweets and more DMs about when you lose a play than when you win a play even though it's something that clearly happens 28% of the time. That's statistical fact. You still get more messages over something that happens 28% of the time than something that's happened 72% of the time. That's just the way that Twitter is. It's toxic and people just expect shit for free. I'm running a business where you could buy all of my picks and make a whole shit ton of money, but you choose to play the free plays. And even those are hitting at 72%. But recently, this last week, Shit has gone over the line. I have gone three and three with my last six locks. I swept EPL 200. I swept the 200 show. I then lost a pick on Liverpool and under 4.5 goals. Well, who was picking that? Then I came back with an FA Cup show. I gave you the lock on Leicester at Brentford at four to five. Then I gave you five plays, five teams to win to nil. Three of them hit. That's not a money line play. That's to nil. That is plus money. I gave you that on that show. Was the last show good? No, the last show was atrocious. The last show was one of the worst shows that I've ever done. But how can that be what I'm judged on after six and a half years? After a year, I went 47 and 11. This is the hardest sport to handicap. That shit can happen. Other soccer cappers are being absolutely destroyed. How can you not see what's happening to them? They're not going three and three with their locks. They're getting battered. They're getting one and five. They're they're handing about 20 to 25%. I'm nowhere near that. I just told you my results for this month. 
I've clawed back £1,629 profit for my clients starting in the middle of the month when it went down to zero. But prior to that, I landed them 10 units as well. I went a 9-0 start in soccer just this month with COVID. But I get shit for a 3-3 and run? Is that how high the standard is at the moment? Is that how high I've raised the bar that I need to get shit for a 3-3? and Listen, I don't fucking need this shit. I don't need to give away anything for free. My plays are over at lockbetting.com. I will continue to come on this show, a show that I single-handedly built off the back of good picks. Nobody gave a shit about soccer before I came on the show and started handing out winner after winner after winner, which made it a must-listen show. So I'm going to continue to do my show. I'm going to continue to give you guys leans based on statistical data that I find based on me analysing the tactics of the two teams, between me keeping my eyes and ears open for good situations for you guys. I will continue to analyse every single game here and on Das Bundesliga show and every single show that I do. But I will no longer give you stuff for free. I will no longer close out these shows with locks. So 136 and 52 for 72.3%. That is where we will remain for the near future. There will be no more locks until there is some respect. Be it via social media interaction, be it via the iTunes reviews, be it via more signups at lockbetting.com. I don't know what the future holds right now, but what I do know is that I don't want to be giving pricks anything for free. Guys that call me varful, guys that tell me that I've lost it. Guys that only creep into my DMs when there's a losing lock after giving you 72% winners. Go fuck yourself. I have a website where you can pay for the picks. I've landed 92 consecutive months of track profit. I'm the number one soccer capper out there. Everyone else is getting destroyed. I'm not getting destroyed. This is a horrendous situation that we're in with tired players, which I've explained time and time again. Some players have played too many games and it makes it very, very difficult to analyze statistical data when you can't accurately analyze the performance levels of the players. And if you don't think that I will recover from some kind of rough patch after six and a half years, coming up to seven years and doing 200 shows, then you're a moron. You obviously haven't been listening long enough. Those that have and those that do support, I am sorry. I am sorry that it's come to this and this is how I feel at the moment. But I'm not going to continue to line the pockets of wankers and arseholes. I'm not going to continue to make them money and then only hear from them and hear their bullshit when things lose. I don't give a fuck. This is a free show. When I give a dog a bone, I don't give a fuck what the bone tastes like. I don't want to hear from the dog and I don't want to hear from you about losing locks. So until the interaction improves at the very least, I'm not going to give locks out on the show. 136 and 52, an incredible run, 72.3%. You're welcome. Let's move on with this edition of the EPL show. We begin here with the 12.30 kickoff on Saturday where Everton are hosting Newcastle. They are the three to five favourites. It's three to one on the draw. And it's 5-1 to one here on Newcastle. Seems obvious to take Everton here, given Newcastle's form and given the fact that Everton are looking for a Champions League position or at least European football. However, that's not how the league has panned out. Burnley ended Liverpool's four-year run of being unbeaten in the Premier League at home and Man United were beaten to Sheffield United. Now, Man United didn't have good home form this season. Their away form was taking them to the top of the league, but they're still expected to beat Sheffield United at home. They have improved at home as of late and that should have been a banker. Liverpool, 
after being unbeaten for nearly four years. That should have been a banker too. And we have seen these shocking results throughout the season. So perhaps Newcastle are a live dog, but I have to call it as I see it. And I haven't seen anything from this Newcastle team. They have failed to score in each of their last six away games in all competitions. Newcastle have lost each of their last five in the Premier League and they haven't looked good. Everton have lost just one of their last eight Premier League games and a key stat here is that under 2.5 goals have been scored in 10 of Newcastle's last 12 games in all competitions. So that brings into play taking Everton and tacking on the under 2.5. If you don't want to commit to a money line play and lay loads of juice, you could take Everton and under 2.5 goals here at 3-1. to one. You could take Everton to win with a clean sheet here at 11-5. to five. So you can take Everton to win here and have the protection of it not going under 2.5 goals in case Everton massacre this team. But I don't see that happening because Newcastle haven't necessarily defended poorly they've just been very very goal shy I don't think the the signing of Callum Wilson has really worked or at least they haven't utilized him properly Bruce wanted to play up top with uh, with Carol and Wilson but that doesn't seem to be working nothing Bruce seems to be doing is working and he could be on his way out so seeing as Newcastle fans don't like him or his style of football I don't think things are looking too good for Steve Bruce. This Newcastle team struggled to score. I like the under here, under 2.5 goals and a Everton win. You could tap them together or you could take Everton to nil. Or of course, you could lay the juice with Everton on the money line. But despite the fact there's been plenty of upsets, I'm not seeing one here tomorrow from this Newcastle team. Up next, we look at Crystal Palace at home to Wolves, where Palace had a 2-1 underdogs. It's 21-10 to draw. And it's 6-4 to four on Wolves. My immediate question when I analyse this game is, where are these goals going to come from? The under 2.5 goals in this game is available at 4-6. to six. That represents some really good value, seeing that under 2.5 goals have been scored in 100% of Palace and Wolves' last six meetings. In addition to that, Crystal Palace have scored just seven times in the last nine Premier League games, this Wolves team have notched just 10 goals in their last 10 Premier League fixtures. Since they lost Raul Jimenez, they really have struggled. Although they got a good 0-0 draw against Chelsea in midweek in Tuchel's uh, first game in charge. We'll talk more about that shortly. And uh, this Wolves team, though, have won just one of their last 10 Premier League assignments. This seems like it will play out to be a 0-0 draw or a one all draw or someone will nick it. But I just don't see how these teams get to three goals. And I think there's value there at four to six. However, nothing is obvious in this league. In midweek, we saw Burnley beat Villa 3-2. It was 1-0 at half time. Burnley came out and scored three goals in the second half. I've never seen Burnley play like that in my life. So be cautious about everything. I have said that many, many times. Proceed with caution when it comes to any soccer bet at the moment until we see some normalisation and I thought we would see normalisation after FA Cup round four because going into midweek a lot of teams rested a lot of their top players but that wasn't the case we saw some shocking results in in midweek so I do still believe that data and research and watching the games and looking at the situations will end up bearing fruit. I do think it will come to fruition where that system is the most profitable rather than just fading the public and fading logic and fading data and thinking that a game that is a solid under like this one suddenly produces three or four goals. It can happen because this is football. 
and things end up going into the back of the net. We saw it again with Southampton and Arsenal. Southampton and Arsenal played out three hours of football, which was undisputably boring and completely uneventful. And there were two teams that clearly cancelled each other out. Yet in midweek, they played out a 3-1 win to Arsenal. And it was a wide-open attacking game. And it looked nothing, nothing like the other two games. And even the data going in with Arsenal's clean sheets and Southampton keeping more clean sheets than ever before, it didn't matter. Sometimes nothing matters. And we're hoping that after after going through what we went through in midweek, that we will see some more consistency here. I mean, I'm certainly not predicting that I'm going to get eight or nine picks here right from the entire slate of just 10 games. But I am expecting us to to make a profit. I'm expecting these leans to be more right than wrong based on the research that I've done and based on watching every single game. I mean, I watch every single game anyway, but especially now when there's nothing to do, if there's games on at the same time, I'll watch the highlights from the game that I didn't watch. It's not only my job, but there really is nothing else to do. It's just uh, unfortunately ironic. The more soccer that I'm watching and the more dedicated I am to doing this, my, my win percentage has dropped. And perhaps I'm possibly guilty of overthinking things because it's certainly not complacency. And when you look back to a pick like taking Tottenham as a pick against Liverpool, that was probably overthinking things, overthinking the the tactics and looking at how Liverpool had struggled to score in recent times and how Spurs would put players behind the ball and make it difficult for Liverpool and catch them on the break. And, And early on in the game... The, the first attack of the game was Mane missing a sitter and then Song went through and scored and then VAR ruined it. VAR again ruined the game for a hairline decision where, where Song had, what, a fingernail offside? It was so ridiculous. It's absolutely ruining the game. And from there, you just knew the writing was on the wall and you knew that Liverpool were going to go on and win that game. But perhaps that shouldn't have been a play at all. Perhaps we should have looked at the record over the years and how Liverpool have completely owned Tottenham and disregarded that that last game, which Liverpool also won, even though Tottenham set up really, really well and Mourinho did orchestrate a game plan to beat Liverpool. Liverpool actually still won the game. And sometimes it doesn't come down to game plans and things like that. Sometimes it just comes down to, to pure luck and teams just being completely jinxed in certain spots or against certain teams. But then again, in the NFL... We saw the the Cleveland Browns beat the Pittsburgh Steelers two weeks in a row. And I'll uh, hold my hands up and say I was on Steelers minus six uh, or minus five and a half in that one. So lots of fucked up shit going on, especially in team sports. In in, uh, individual sports, everything seems to be fine. We're on a 15 and three run in boxing, uh, 11 winning days out of 12 in the tennis. We're winning money nearly every night in the NBA. It doesn't seem to be an issue. Oh, that's a team sport, but it didn't seem to be an issue really in um, in individual sports. Anyway, moving on to this Manchester City game. They're at home to Sheffield United. Well, they'll probably show Manchester United how to beat this team. They're 1-11 to to do so. It's 17-2 to to draw and it's 25-1 to on Sheffield United. Manchester City to win with a clean sheet here because you can't take Manchester City and the under 4.5 automatically now after that performance against West Brom because they have shown they can absolutely destroy teams. So riding Manchester City to nil here is available at 4-6 to six, and that's probably the best way to go just because the Sheffield United team scored two goals against the Manchester United defence that was non-existent with Tunzebi playing for Manchester United and being absolutely awful. 
Um, I don't think you can expect them to score and penetrate this Manchester City team. They've kept clean sheets in nine. The last 11 Premier League games, they've won to nil in eight of those matches. They've won each of the last 11 games across all competitions. And they are averaging three goals per league game since the turn of the year. So it would be risky to take the uh, under 4.5. Although I'm not expecting Sheffield United to make any contribution to this game, I would not write off this Manchester City team putting up a, a cricket score just to make a big statement here to, to Man United because they're capable of doing so with or without De Bruyne. But I still think this title isn't over. I still think there are going to be difficult games here that Manchester City struggle to over to struggle to win and struggle to overcome the deficit of not having Kevin De Bruyne in the team and not having an out-and-out goal scorer with Sergio Aguero still missing from COVID. So it's not going to be as easy as beating West Brom and Sheffield United, two teams that I have as absolute locks to go down. I think Fulham will go down as well. So I don't read anything into these two Man City teams and I'm uh, two, two Manchester City wins. And I'm not saying that Man United are going to win the league and that they're, that they're banging it or, or anything like that. But you can't disregard any of the outside challengers at this point. Manchester City were one to three favourites. Liverpool were nine to one. Suddenly... Liverpool look like they can play again. So should they have ever been 9-1? to one? No, it's about capitalising on these spots. Fortunately, my clients, we did capitalise on these spots. We took Man U at 6-1 to one and Liverpool at 9-1. So we have big odds on, uh, on other teams outside of Man City to win the league. So we're going to profit if Manchester City don't win this league. If they do, well, that's going to be a rare futures loss because 82% of our futures we hit. So we can afford to take a couple of losses at 7-1 to one and 9-1. to one knowing full well that Manchester City at 1-3-300 to three minus 300 at this stage of the season, considering how this season has gone, was absolutely ludicrous and is absolutely ludicrous. Manchester City are currently available at 1-4. to four, So they've got even shorter. There's no way this team should be 1-4. to four. Liverpool have moved into 11-2. to two. Man United, off the back of that defeat against Sheffield United, have moved out to 12-1. to one. So we didn't take Man U at the best price, but we certainly did with Liverpool. But I wouldn't dissuade anybody from having a quarter unit on Man United now or even taking Liverpool at their current price because I don't believe this league title is over yet. And Manchester City are marginally top of the league. And as I said, they have to overcome the absence of Kevin De Bruyne and no out-and-out goal scorer because Jesus ain't going to cut it and Aguero isn't just going to come back from COVID and be Sergio Aguero again. He's barely played all season. Up next, we'll look at West Brom versus Fulham where West Brom are the 9-4 underdogs. It's 9-4 to draw and Fulham are available at 5-4. to Fulham shouldn't be favourites against anybody. The fact that you can get West Brom managed by, by Sam Allardyce, even though that appointment hasn't worked at the moment, at 4-6 to six to avoid a defeat, I think is a great option. Now, Sam Allardyce hasn't done well since he's taken over at the job. He hasn't had that big Sam magic, and it does look like this is going to be his first relegation, although they did get an away win against Wolves, but they're not doing it the Allardyce way. He is not fixing this defence. They're not shutting teams out. They just got blasted for five. They previously got destroyed by Leeds as well, so whatever he usually does isn't working. But in this instance, for Fulham to go there and win as road underdogs, I'm not seeing it. I don't think this will be the lock under that most people probably think it will be, seeing Fulham and seeing that Sam Allardyce manages West Brom because Fulham have struggled to score against good defensive Premier League teams. West Brom aren't a good defensive Premier League team, 
But West Brom do like to attack. West Brom have continued to score goals and they seem to still be playing the, the Billich football and nothing that Allardyce has done so far seems to have influenced them. And even if it has, are this team capable? Are this team capable of following Big Sam's instructions and sitting back and containing other teams? And are they good enough defensively to do it? Maybe he realises this and maybe he realises that he can't implement the usual Allardyce blueprint because he doesn't have the personnel to do it. That's why um, West Brom have made inquiries for 200 players during his January transfer window. And um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens at the end of the window, who West Brom can get through and whether that changes the way they're playing. Because to me at the moment, it still looks like um, Slavon Bilic's team. And that's why I won't be taking an under here because I do see goals. I see a I see a score draw here. So I think we'd be able to cash West Brom on the double chance here at four to six minus one fifty. This is a Fulham team that have drawn six of their last eight Premier League fixtures. West Brom are actually yet to win a Premier League game at home under Allardyce. Half of Fulham's last six draws have actually finished one all. So there's value on that price, on that on that selection there at six to one. And um, Fulham shared the spoils with the hosts in each of their last three away games. So this is actually a decent revival from Fulham. If they had turned some of these uh, draws into wins, they'd be in a much better position. I still think they'll go down. This will be considered a six-pointer, a relegation six-pointer. But for me, these are two teams that are going to go down. Burnley have moved themselves out of the relegation conversation. I think Brighton showed against Man City that they are willing to defend if they desperately need to in order to stay in this league. And I think Steve Bruce will end up going at Newcastle and they'll bring someone in that will reinvigorate the the players who aren't playing for Bruce and they'll get out of it as well. So I cannot see who gets sucked in. I'm certain that these two will go down along with Sheffield United. And as far as I'm concerned, the relegation race is done. And these are the three teams that I predicted at the start of the season. But you'll never hear anybody give anyone credit for that because these morons on Twitter just want to bash you for your losses, even though they are far less than your wins. Let's move on to a team that I'm hoping have more wins than losses because off the back of that Sheffield United game, we feel very, very deflated. It is the game of the week where Manchester United will travel to Arsenal, hoping to revive their title hopes. They are the 6-4 favourites to do so. Arsenal available at 9-5 and it's 5-2 the draw. This is the type of game that Manchester United have been winning all season. Away from home, hitting teams on the counter-attack with pace and causing them problems off at the back. So this will be a game that suits Manchester United a lot more, providing Arsenal have got the ambition. Mikel Arteta, notoriously against teams in the top five or six, has made his team defensively compact and they've decided to sit back, make themselves difficult to break down and then push forward on the counter. So it's going to be very, very difficult to judge before it happens who's going to be pushing the pace in this game, who's going to be having the possession and who's going to be doing the pushing and the pressing and who's going to be sitting back and trying to hit on the break because both teams stylistically like to do the same thing although Manchester United have had much greater success this season if you look at the league table. For me, I would lean Manchester United as a pick if you're looking to to play this game. I also like taking the, the under three and a half goals because I do think it will be slightly cagey. As a side bet, I really, really love this bet on Xhaka to get booked at any time at 5-2 to two plus 250 because you see it all the time. Teams that are hit on the break, 
they end up getting fouls higher up the pitch because that's less likely to get a booking. So we see deliberate fouls higher up the pitch. If you do it excessively, you will get booked. We saw it happening to, to Tottenham on Thursday. Liverpool were deliberately instructed to make fouls inside their own halves so the Tottenham couldn't hit them on the break. That was a deliberate tactic set out by Jurgen Klopp, who's supposed to be this clean, cut and lovable manager. No, Jurgen Klopp knows how to win dirty. And Jurgen Klopp did set that out. If Mourinho had done it, he would get criticised for it. But Klopp seems to be exempt from criticism and so does Pep Guardiola. But that's what they do. They get their players to deliberately foul inside their own half. And that's what Xhaka is going to be doing. I have no doubt in my mind that he's going to get booked at some point. And there is serious value on that play. So much so, I'd probably make that my favourite play here from this game, considering the price. 5-2, to two, plus 250 on Xhaka to get booked. But if you're looking for plays in the game, I lean... I lean Manchester United as a pick given the away record and the necessity to bounce back. And uh, I also like the under three and a half goals here. Not too much value on that one here. I'm not giving you something at a great price. Under three and a half goals is available at one to two minus 200. Uh, you can play that to, to minus three, which pushes if there are three goals. But I can potentially see three goals in this game despite me also seeing a slow start but we saw a slow start in the uh, Tottenham Liverpool game and I text my clients and I said this is going to be an over this is going to be over 2.5 you can currently play over two at plus money because I could see the pattern of play. And that's kind of what I prefer to do with, with over and unders. I like to watch the game play out, see the pattern of play and see if the over is actually still existent and take it at a better price. And in that game, particularly Tottenham versus Liverpool, it was very, very much alive and well with Tottenham sitting back and let Liverpool come onto them. And um, the way Tottenham were breaking against the Liverpool defence that are missing key players, yeah, the over was very, very much alive. And I called it a plus money. In fact, you could have got over two and a half goals at huge plus money. I think it was around about um, seven to four. So just under plus 200 at that point in time going into the um, going into the end of the half. So moving on to the, the late game here, it's Southampton at home to Aston Villa where Southampton are a significant underdog here of 2 to 1 it's 13 to 5 to draw and it's 11 to 8 on Villa understand Aston Villa have had a really really good season but I'm not seeing them as an away favorite against Southampton who have also had a really good season so I'm not seeing that here at all I think Southampton represent some solid value for you guys here on the double chance market and even potentially as a pick and I'm also seeing goals here in this game. Seven goals were scored when Southampton and Villa met earlier on in the campaign. And let's not forget, Southampton won that game and won that game easily. Even though it's 4-3, all Villa's goals were late. Yet they're coming into this home game as an underdog against a Villa team that just lost away to Burnley, who are a significantly worse team than Southampton, depending on how you judge it. But if you're looking at football attacking talents here, you'd have to give it to Southampton. Over 2.5 goals were scored in 12 of Villa's last 18 games this season and Villa have conceded seven goals in the last three Premier League away assignments again that doesn't make them worthy favourites here to me Aston Villa's league matches have averaged three goals per 90 minutes this season this is statistical data combined for taking Southampton and potentially for an over here but I'm going to take Southampton on the double chance market I don't see Villa as a favourite and I do think the Saints can void a defeat here in this one 
Moving on to Sunday, and we see Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea again, and they're at home to Burnley, an informed Burnley team who beat Aston Villa at home and won away to Liverpool. Yet, they are disrespected here once again. They are the 10-1 away dogs. It's 17-4 to to draw, and it's 1-4 to on Chelsea. I would be taking a, a couple of copper coins here on Burnley to to win this game. I think they do have a chance of doing it. Uh, I also like the under here. I would go to under three. Under three goals here is available at 10 to 11. Over three goals is also available at 10 to 11. I'm happy for this to push on three. And the way it pushes on three, I think, is if Chelsea find a performance through this small preparation time that Tuchel's had, find a performance and beat this Burnley team by three goals to nil and it ends up pushing. But I'm more confident that this is a very, very tight game with Burnley sitting, very similar to Chelsea versus Wolves. And Chelsea have all of the ball and try and break this team down. And they are equally difficult to break down as Wolves were. And Wolves had opportunities to win that game on the break. So for me, I think this game definitely goes under. I think under three at 10 to 11 gives you some extra protection. But I certainly see a game here similar to what we saw in midweek with Chelsea's Tuchel having all of the ball and trying to break down a stubborn Burnley team who could potentially have a chance of doing what Wolves did and hitting Chelsea on the break and stealing this game much like they did against Liverpool. I wouldn't put it past them. I just don't see Burnley having a run where they have beaten Aston Villa at home from from being behind twice and then winning away to Liverpool. At some point, you're going to have a letdown spot and it could be potentially here. I also don't see Thomas Tuchel going to Chelsea having two home games and not winning either of them. So that's why... I do think Chelsea will end up winning this game. But let me tell you, they offer absolutely zero, zero, zero value at one to four. Even as a parlay piece, I wouldn't be taking them. Because what have they done to warrant that? This Burnley team have all of the form. Chelsea just sacked their manager and a new manager didn't win his first game. Do you know how rare that is? Look through the history of Premier League managers that take over big big five clubs. Jose Mourinho won his first game at Man United. Pochettino won his first game at Tottenham. Mourinho won his first game at Tottenham. Sarri won his first game at Chelsea. Guardiola won his first game at Manchester City. The exception to all of this is Frank Lampard losing his first game as Chelsea manager, but he travelled to Old Trafford and lost 4-0. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer won his first game as the Man United manager away to Cardiff. It never happens. And Tuchel really did have a huge letdown in midweek and he needs to bounce back from it. And uh, this Chelsea team will be under pressure. I don't really want anything to do with this game other than the under. And knowing that how Burnley plays stylistically, I know there was an anomaly in the week, but they'll come here and they'll come here to defend. And Chelsea will have all the ball and they'll try and break this team down. It's going to be a very, very clear pattern of play, which is only changed by an early Chelsea goal. So if they manage to penetrate early, all of this analysis goes out of the window. If Burnley score early, if Burnley can score early, then it becomes even more difficult for Chelsea because they'll sit in even more deep. And Chelsea will really find it difficult to create chances. I'm also really interested in the team selection here because as soon as Tuchel went in, he dropped Pulisic and he dropped Mason Mount, who's Frank Lampard's boy, who played every game under Lampard. And uh, Mount came on and did quite well, as did Pulisic. So it'd be interesting to see where he goes with his team selection. Everybody was expecting him to reinvigorate um, Kai Havertz and Werner because he's a German manager. We didn't see any of that. So interesting, interesting stuff here from this one on Sunday. Up next, we've got Leicester versus Leeds. Leicester are available at 4-5. It's 29-10 to join. It's 3-1 on Leeds. Leicester managed to get a good draw away to um, Everton. This proved they are still capable of coping without Jamie Vardy. 
The reason I'm not in love with Leicester here, even though statistical data does point to them winning this game, is because this Leeds team are only playing their their second game in a week, whereas Leicester are playing their third game in a week. And what we've seen so far this season is that can be a significant thing, whereas playing more football can tire you out. And um, you do see teams that play less football getting decent results. So it is a benefit to obviously play less football, especially when you're looking at a Leeds team that love to run around. They love to cover distance. They love to press. And um, Leicester should win this game, according to the data. Leicester are unbeaten in seven Premier League matches. They hammered Leeds 4-1s when the teams met in November. Leeds have failed to score in only two of their last 10 top flight games, so you can expect both teams to score here as well. And Leicester have taken maximum points in each of their last two Premier League home games. However, they don't have Jamie Vardy. Jamie Vardy has been key to Leicester's success in the past. Leicester are playing their third game this week. Leeds have managed to rest. They're coming off an away win against Newcastle. And I do think that this could be a banana skin for Leicester. I think Leeds are capable in this particular situation, in this spot, having played less football as of late. And I do think they'll be able to come into this spot and get something from a Leicester team that have played three times in seven days. So I would take Leeds here on the double chance here, which is available at the best price of 11 to 10. Up next, we move on to West Ham versus Liverpool, where Liverpool are available here at five to six. It's ten to three on West Ham, and it's three to one on the draw. You wouldn't have never got Liverpool here at five to six last season when they were strolling to the Premier League title. I actually went to this game last year, West Ham versus Liverpool, because my flat is near West Ham, and Liverpool won this game easily. They completely dominated all of the ball. They completely dominated all of the game. West Ham only really started to get back into it after Liverpool were ahead, but they were really only looking for a consolation. Liverpool like playing at West Ham, as Manchester City like playing at West Ham. This is a very nice pitch for big teams. That, that like to play football and like to get the ball out wide. This will benefit Liverpool. And coming off the back of um, winning away to Tottenham and staying in London here, they probably never travel back to Anfield. They probably found a way to, to stay in London and train. I think this certainly benefits Liverpool. West Ham have had a very, very good season so far. And I can certainly see them doing something in this game and giving Liverpool some problems. In fact, both teams have scored in five of the last seven meetings between the two teams. Liverpool have won seven, though of their last eight against West Ham. Both teams have scored in seven of West Ham's last nine and both teams have scored in six of Liverpool's last nine league away assignments. So I do think Liverpool will win, but I also think both teams will be able to find a net here. Liverpool to win, as I mentioned, is available at five to six. Tacking on the both teams to score will take it just under two to one. So it's available at nine to five. Shop around though, because I do think there should be a better price available than that. But I think, as I said, West Ham will be able to score against Liverpool, but Liverpool always seem to beat West Ham. And coming off that win against Tottenham, where they looked a lot better, I'm not expecting anything to change here. So Liverpool to beat West Ham is the main pick. But if you add on both teams to score, as there is enough supporting statistical data to to take it, I would take that as well at the price of around about 2-1. to one. The final game we'll look at here is Brighton versus Tottenham, where Brighton are the 2-1 underdogs. It's 23-10 to draw and it's 6-4 to on Tottenham. You're getting a really, really good price on Tottenham and it's all based on Harry Kane being out of this game. Well, probably not all based on it. Tottenham haven't exactly been in the best form as of late. They've completely dropped out of the title race. But Harry Kane won't play this game. But will it make a difference? Tottenham have 
enough players to to replace Kane. Tottenham have done very well in the past playing Son down the middle. They can obviously draft Gareth Bale into this side. They have Vinces, Vinces who scored goals in the FA Cup and who scored in the Europa League as well that they can bring in. So they have other options that they haven't explored yet. And I do think that they have enough quality in their squad to bring a Brighton team that have really, really struggled at home this season. So on the basis that I think Tottenham have the squad capable of dealing with this, the fact that Tottenham have won four of the last five games with Brighton and the fact that Brighton are the only team in the Premier League to yet to win a home game, I'm going to take Tottenham here as a pick. So that concludes this edition of the EPL show. As I said, no luck on this show. However, I do still wish you good luck with all of your bets as always. And thanks for listening. It's finally spring, and I'm saying goodbye snow, hello adventure. And during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event, you can get epic deals on your favorite Honda model. Ready to get rugged? Then take the off-road in an all-wheel drive Honda SUV, like the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, or redesigned Ridgeline. Want to take a spring road trip? Then check out a fuel-efficient turbocharged Civic or Accord. Say goodbye to winter, and hello to a new Honda. Don't miss huge savings during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event, now at your local Honda dealer.